Capcom presents. Guys, I'm a maniac. Why'd he bite me? They accept all my imperfections. Sorry for the disconnection. But here's all the missing sections. You know Mega Brand came equipped with weapons. I don't mean Smith and Wessons, but the gun smoke will choke ya. We do it for the culture. Lights of the round controllers up in holsters. It's a beautiful world. I'm smelling everything. Take flight and soar on legendary wings. No swagger from Mike Hagger. Wrestler turned mayor, turned teacher, turned rapper with mad gear. Leveled up from last year. Trust me, it's dynamite from the third strike, the final fight. So I'm gonna stay locked in since 83, way past 2010. You never heard of this live ass, the Cap County podcast. So I'm gonna stay locked in since 83, past 2K10. You never heard of this live ass, the Cap County podcast. Welcome to the Capcom Unity Annual Spoop Fest, <laughs> starring Boo Elston. Oh, man, are we doing that? Uh, Greg Gory Gore. Uh, I'm foreign. Eerie. 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 There you go. Eerie. That's fine. Very nice. Uh, so, yes, it is that time of year again where things have just a bit more spook to them. Uh, I was going into Birch Bar though there. <laughs> Dangerous ground. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I happen to <laughs> I happen to quite like the month of October. It's a, it's a great month. It's a great month. The weather is crisp. I love the weather and I love the leaves, which we don't get in California, but No, we don't at all. But we can remember them. It was great in the Midwest. And uh, in the East. I just got Coast. back from uh, Minnesota not long ago and Minnesota. And all the leaves, uh, that's Australian or maybe British. I can't uh-huh. tell anymore. Uh, vaguely Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it was, br- it was beautiful. <laughs> the, the the leaves were finally coming in, and it was great. Not, not here, though. What did you do in Minnesota? Can you talk about that? Or uh, it was about a it? layover flight from New York Comic Con. Um, and nothing more? Uh, when does this post? This post this Friday. Yeah, that, that's all I did. That's all you did? Yeah. <laughs> End of story. I saw people there, but, mm-hmm. like... No, so nothing fancy, I'll say that. Nothing incriminating. You had a sure burger. You had, did, a burger had a burger with cheese. Okay, got it. Burger. Sort of That's the news, guys. So if you know anywhere in Minnesota, uh, Juicy Lucy, and it was delicious. Those uh, things frighten me a lot. And then while we were in New York, so we came back from New York Comic Con, and I had to fly out of JFK before you guys, and the Shake Shack is in Manhattan, like downtown area, downtown uh-huh. New York. Uh, and that's delicious. It is. But very touristy. First place we went. Yeah. And oh, then that's right. First place I ate in New York <coughs> this trip. And then it was also the last place because in the terminal at JFK huh. was a Shake Shack. Really? And I was Man, so excited. They get around. Huh. I, I was very scared because entering that terminal, I was like, this is the hellscape. <laughs> <laughs> we were promised so, the so many comics <laughs> warned me about because it's this terminal with no lit, literally it's terminal can't remember which one. Four, I think, at JFK. Uh, it was like death in Japanese. Four? Whoa. Yep. Terminal? Well, the number four is Terminal associated is with death because it's a homonym for death. Ah, uh, yes, like Shinjuku. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that. But also the word terminal, <laughs> like terminal Terminal disease. also, I mean, yeah, that's a good point. I don't think, I think that's lost on Japan, but. Right. Um, but it was this, like, gray, literally no seat, not a single seat 
in this terminal before you go through the the stupid gate and what, uh, I don't want to get started on that. <laughs> but uh, like all these airlines, none of like the gate wasn't even open. It's like, oh, you're here three hours early. It's like, yeah, because I don't have a hotel room and my it it takes anywhere from ninety from sixty to ninety minutes to get here. Yeah, the traffic yeah. and the cab and the cab ride to and from JFK is hilarious oh. every every time. <laughs> so bad. Um, so you just you're in God's hands. Yeah, it's just like I don't you're know. Roll the God dice. Hand. Maybe Ooh. maybe he'll use the road. Yeah. <laughs> maybe he'll use the sidewalk. I'm just sitting there in the back seat, like marveling at how <laughs> people aren't dying left and right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like plowing through these busy narrow like yeah. alleyways with people actively crossing in yeah. front of him. Well, see, we have that perception of cab rides in New York because that's the only method of transportation we use there. Mm-hmm. Right. But like, here's the question for you, New, York- New Yorkers: If you drive in New York, are you any different? Like, because here's here's my story, right? Uh-huh. I go to uh, you know vacation uh, to Brazil and Sao Paulo, and then my dad comes pick me comes to the airport to pick me up, and it's not very different. <laughs> right. Just because it's out of necessity, yeah. like right. he needs to cut people off to survive right. the, that traffic. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's just you know, even the cab driver was like, "Oh, where are you guys from?" In San Francisco, oh, but no one's—they're not as fast as we are here. And it's like <laughs> that's sort of true, but <laughs> well, cab I, I sort of question the, your need to shave off mere seconds, as if, <laughs> like as if we're in a race, like. If we were in a race to the finish, I would choose you. know, you. it's because you pay that flat rate, so they're not getting any money off the time spent. But so I finally know. get there, and it was just like uh, the terminal to check-in wasn't even open for that airline I was on. <laughs> so I just like, like, oh, you just have to wait till the attendant shows up, and then you can go through security. And I'm like, I turn around, and I'm like, where do you sit? <laughs> there's no chairs. And there's people. It looks like a, like a fallout shelter there's just people laying on the floor <laughs> with, their, with their weeks of luggage and like there's it's all these international airlines so like oh i'm flying to singapore here's everything i brought there just wow. in the floor and like, it was and i'm like this is the worst i i this sucks so much <laughs> but then i finally go through security and then i go downstairs and it was like and shake shack well this is a beautiful terminal down oh. here it like it was it was shake shack but like as soon as i got off the escalator going down there's a dude selling like like American whiskey stand, and he goes free shots, and like people come wow. out of, come out of the cracks of the walls, <laughs> and I think I tweeted how it was like a Rodney Dangerfield movie, just like all of a sudden it was like free shots for everybody, <laughs> and like people, it Louis was like Louis comes on mysteriously, yeah, it was, and I was like, okay, this place is fine, like this set a really bad first impression, but. Uh, Anyway, that's not spooky. Happy ending. No. Yeah. Well, I do, you know, we should address the fact that we were at Comic-Con, uh, you know, more directly with yeah. that tangential anecdote. We were at New York Comic-Con, my favorite place to go. I love the uh, the crowds. People are very enjoyable to socialize with. Um, we yeah, showed we off. We, met a, we said hi to a lot of uh, Unity regulars. A lot of Unity regulars, yeah. I felt we, bad because I was managing the line, and I think I maybe came off as, like, Now's your chance to make good. I am sorry if I came off as abrupt. I was I know that yeah. I never came off as curt or abrupt. I sometimes do. So, so there's that. But um we we were there to show off a few games. We had um Ace Attorney trilogy on three D S, which comes this December, and we had Monster Hunter Four Ultimate of course. Of course. That was cool, it had a couple different demos playable. Yeah, yeah, we had uh, we had the, the demo that we used at E three and at PAX. Which was the Goromagala, Tetsukabra, mm-hmm. and uh, Negligible Great Jaggy. Uh, no, he was in both demos. So. The, is that the variant? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the above average Jaggy. Okay. Uh, anyways, uh, 
So uh, and then the the other demo was was sort of uh, brand new. I think it had debuted in, in Europe just a week before that, but it had the Tiger Stripe Zam trios and the Daimyo Hermitor, uh, and it was great. Love um, that Hermitor. I'm so glad they brought that thing. I back. know. Yeah, it was it was great. Like the the New York crowd, for the New York Monster Hunter community is is great. We had a. Uh, a bunch of people from the the Facebook page Monster Hunter NYC, which I think is the biggest uh, single community, single local based community um, yeah. that we have yeah. for that brand. So uh, so yeah, they were all there, and then uh, we actually flew in the director uh, Monster Hunter Four Ultimate, a uh, Mr. Fujioka, and uh, he was there. He helped us out with the panel, which was great, uh, filled with awesome announcements. And uh, poster signings and such. So it was a great time. He looked like he was genuinely enjoying himself there. Oh, he was, yeah. So uh, a little thing that uh, not a lot of people know that happened, right? One day they, one of the nights they went to, uh, so it was him and a couple of other people from Japan. Mm -hmm. They wanted to check out the Nintendo World Store. Okay. Uh, And this was the Friday night. Mm -hmm. And they go there, they check it out, and then they have a dinner with some other folks. And then, like, it's almost midnight. And and then they remember, oh, the Monster Hunter NYC guys have their meetups at the Rockefeller Center huh. from 7 to 11, uh, like every Friday. I, I try to recall the best as I can uh, the, the precise timing. But they were there around midnight. And they said, let's go check it out just to see if there's anybody there. And there was a crowd of, like, I think, like, 12 to 16 people playing Monster Hunter. Nice. And they get totally surprised by the director of the game. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> Almost midnight. That's really so, awesome. Uh, so yeah, I'm you know both parties were thrilled to see each other. I guess. Yeah. Uh, and we also showed off Resident Evil Revelations two, the first time showing playable in the West, and uh, that was cool. Actually, that area I, I was demoing there, and the area we had five kiosks it was always at ma- uh, maximum capacity the entire event yeah it was totally full it was a good demo though it's a it's a brief slice of that first episode of the game um a lot of people kept asking like oh you know is this the whole thing or or is that you know is that episode 1 and it's like no that's that's just a small piece of episode 1 so there's more after that um so that that even yeah, was... that was like a 15 minute demo if you t- if you kind of take your time you can kind of get through it or you, if you if you played it before and went through it again, you can probably do it in ten. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's certainly not all of episode one by no. any by any means. Not at all. Um, there's more before that, and there's more after that. So it's a nice little piece in the middle. But the reaction was really good. People got to play. The PS4 build is what we had there, and it looks really nice. Um, I don't want to like officially state 60 FPS or anything, but like a very smooth, it looks very smooth, very uh, sorry, a very smooth, consistent frame rate. Uh, looks nice. Um, yeah, I don't know. It just it reminded me a lot of well, the whole game. Like, see, having seen what I've seen, it just reminds me a lot of RE4, in mm-hmm. in the best ways. Oh, the only difference really being like, RE4 is still Leon kind of prepared. Like he does go with uh, you know, yeah. he does go with a mind of like I'm going to rescue a dog. Yeah, like, I'm going. I'm on a mission. I'm a trained you know combat dude. True. So I'm right. going to go do that. Um, Claire is kind of taken there against her will, as is Moira. So you get a little bit of that Code Veronica intentional homages, but, like, mm-hmm. they are there in over their heads. They're not there to accomplish something. They are there because they got pulled into this. Yeah. So you get – there's this extra level of tension just because Leon's not – it's not like Leon gets more, more like Code Veronica in the, in, the, in the sense of the tension. 
and, and the atmosphere in general. Yeah. You're not like it starts in that kicking down doors. Yeah, I mean it starts in that <laughs> creepy prison, and I mean there's other locales we haven't gone into, but like just just the, like the pacing and stuff it felt like the best parts of re4 to me where i was like mm. i really like moving just you know when you play re4 you just it feels good just playing it. yeah like moving through from room to room from area to area it's like even if you played it a hundred times there's still a sense of like slight tension of like yeah i've got ammo but like you can still run out if you let the environment get the better of you yeah if you obsess too much over certain things or if you don't know some tricks, like shoot them in the leg, kick them, knife them, mm-hmm. little things like that. Uh, I don't know. It just reminded me of RE4. Obviously, that's I think the, the far from the just complete the, game. The core feel of Revs 2 is is a big step up from Revs 1. It's just yeah. uh, you know things like you said. It just feels good to be in their shoes. You know, I think uh, things like the the dodge mechanic is now you just have a dedicated dodge button instead of it being contextual. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the, yeah. like the impacts when you shoot enemies in the head, there's like a much more like contextual. Like I feel like I just shot him in the head. And there's chunks yeah, flying like, out like of his like head. Shards fly head out. Shards. Head shards. <laughs> um, no, it's it's good. I think uh, if you really dug, like, I don't know. I th- I think like RE4, it walks that line very well of still having. Yeah, it's a third person game where you're shooting things a lot, but it's way it's. People kept asking, like, oh, is this, like, 5 and 6? And I would say it is definitely not, like, 5 and 6. Yeah. As far as, like, you're not getting on a motorcycle and mm. sitting on a turret and, yeah. <laughs> like, that kind of stuff. Granted, I've not seen the 100% of the game at this point. True. But, there uh, might be motorcycle turrets. Yeah, for all I know, there's a motorcycle <laughs> with a turret on it in the last chapter. I do not think that is <laughs> Chapter the case. 5, head shard. <laughs> yeah, I do not think that is the case. Uh, but everything I've seen, I've, I'm, I'm pretty happy with, so... Um, on, the, on a related note, we did just announce uh, the pre-order is live for the PS4 version for the complete season. So if if you're willing to commit to the whole four-chapter season, you can already do that. It's twenty four ninety nine. You yep. get a bunch of bonus content, uh, some of which we've announced, some yeah. we have not. It's worth specifying because there's been a lot of questions about that too. There's different like the episodes are five ninety nine. So yep. let's say six bucks, six times four, mm-hmm. or you can get this this pack that is twenty four ninety nine, but it comes with all those things plus stuff, mm-hmm. and then there's the disc that has everything of that plus stuff. So yeah, yeah, it's twenty four dollars, twenty five dollars, but there's stuff, and the timing's a little backwards. Well, not backwards. It's just like we've said there's stuff coming. We have, and yeah, ha- we haven't, haven't said ha- everything that you're getting, and haven't like laid season. out what the stuff is. A part of that's because the game is still in development. So yeah. A lot of these things are are still moving pieces, so. Um, but yeah, that's that's a known issue. So we'll we'll have <laughs> clarification on that. Yeah, hopefully soon about what exactly is you're getting in each of these packs and on the disc. Uh, not much more news to report in this news segment, but uh, worth shouting out that Demon's Crest and Gargoyles Quest Two are finally coming to the North American Wii U eShop as of October 30th, which will be Next after th- this goes up. Yes, yeah, th- a Thursday. <laughs> um, or wait, yeah, Thursday. That's their virtual console. Yeah, yep. I'm super stoked for this. I've been hearing people rave about Demon's <laughs> Crest for about as long as people have been raving about demons. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, Demon's Crest. Uh, I love a lot, and that was one of the ones I remember writing in a document like a year and a half ago. Like the following games are things we need to have on the virtual console, and like <laughs> it was like Breath of Fire, Demon's Crest. Like these are things that are never been re-released or rarely, if ever. And like this, the Super NES Breath of Fire has kind of been in this limbo 
for a long time. There was a GBA one, but it's not identical. Um, same thing with Demon's Crest. And then, you know, I sent that doc off and been working with NOA and Capcom Japan. And then I think when we announced that list of games in June during E3, like, they were like, okay, here's the here's the list. And like I was like, wow, Demon's Crest and Breath of Fire on here. <laughs> I don't know if I can actually take credit for this or not, but I kind of want to. Confirmed. Uh, yeah, confirmed. I mean, for <laughs> all I know, for all I know, it was Thank always you, there, but it did take about a year for that to happen. So I, I feel like Nintendo and uh, Capcom Japan have been like just really in touch well, about virtual and, console. In and general. if people have been paying attention since about June, they'll notice a a drastic, yeah. like upward ramping of our digital re-release initiative like we had a bunch of PSN stuff come out like long demanded stuff like Strider 2 which includes Strider 1 yeah. uh, Mega Man X 4 and 5 I will actually take personal take credit for that for those three it's fine those okay. are th those three I know thank you Brad thank and you. hopefully I, more to come I beat Mega hopefully Man X 4 with, uh, with Zero already on your Vita on my Vita I am, yes. I am very pleased that uh, Sony and us and Japan could all get together and make that happen mm -hmm. there you go long requested a three way high five yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, those I never know. work, by the way. <laughs> no, I always yeah. turned. I got like a shard of your pinky, and like you, know, you cut me with your thumb. Resident Evil Revelations Two. There you go. That's uh, shards. Ah, go on. Okay, on. so moving <laughs> on to the point of this whole hoedown. Uh, it's October. We wanted to do a spooktacular podcast about the uh, horror genre. <laughs> <laughs> Piecing this together as I say it. So. <laughs> What's this episode going to be? No, uh, we wanted to talk about horror games, scary games, the things that make them work, that make them fail to work, and why people love them so well. So it may go without saying, but I think Capcom has contributed pretty significantly to horror becoming a prolific genre in games, starting, of course, with Sweet Home, yeah. the game we all played. Yeah. Nope. Um, this is crazy about Sweet Home. I didn't know this until I worked at Capcom, but that was, uh, it was like this, like Strider on the NES, like Strider before it, it was a, it was a weird multimedia, like, multi-tiered attack, yeah. where they had, they had the NES game, and almost at the same time, they had a movie, and the movie happens to be directed by a guy named Kiyoshi Kurosawa, who is like one of the fathers of Japanese horror, he's an amazing director. And he also produced the game. Wow. Mm -hmm. Very different time for games, I think, that you have a movie director producing one. But uh, that game actually set the framework for what would eventually become Resident Evil, a game that I think a couple of listeners may have played. But I, I don't know, like, did you, I don't know and when you guys, oh, sorry. No, it's like, and then in the intervening years, we saw things like Clock Tower and... Even something like Mansion of the Hidden Souls, which yeah, I knew on Sega CD, that that kind of furthered the and the Alone in the Dark also, I think, yeah. was the probably the closest thing to RE before <laughs> RE. But I don't know, like, when did you guys actually first see Resident Evil? You're, I know you're not a uh, super fan of the horror genre, but oh, but but I did see it. Did. Uh, I think the the first Resident Evil game I saw uh, in Brazil at a friend's house was uh, Three Nemesis. Oh and wow, weird place to start. Yeah, and and it was like, hey, let's let's come check it out. You know, everybody's gonna come over, and we're gonna play this game. Everybody coming over to play a single player game. Right. I I thought it was already a 
the weird recipe. Mm-hmm. And then they said it was horror. I was like, nope, nope. I'm <laughs> stepping out of the room. You guys enjoy that. I'm going to do something. I, Anyways, I went outside. <laughs> How old did you say you were? I, I can't remember now. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably. I mean, it was probably mm-hmm. after 99 or 2000. So. Yeah, so 2000. So, so I, th- I think eight. this was around 2002, actually, because we do get releases late, right. and then like things are expensive there, so mm-hmm. people get their stuff like two or three years mm-hmm. late. Right. So I think it was 2002, 2003. So it's probably like 14 already. Uh, huh. Already had no guts for horror, so wow. solidified. Then I'm gonna say I think I was at that perfect age. Like everything was perfect about my first RE experience. It was like, <coughs> first of all, I was I was like a you know like a preteen. I think I was 12. And, you know, I only had a Sega Genesis where every game basically is an action platformer. Right. Um, and I was fine with that, I thought, until my friend from school was like, hey, have you played PlayStation? And I was like, what's that? Isn't that that thing at, like, Chuck E. Cheese that you run around <laughs> with? Uh, I think that was also called a PlayStation, actually. But, um, anyway, he has me over, and he's like, you got to play Res Eve. That's what they used to call it, Res Eve. Um, people were into brevity in the nineties. Was he a Brit- was he British? No, he was horrible. He was okay. <laughs> well, that someone else. But anyway, so <laughs> I went over and I'm looking at this game, and it's just so mind blowingly different from anything else that I've thought of as a video game. You know, it's first of all, it's not 2D. Mm-hmm. It's some other D. Not to be confused with the game D. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which he did not have. I wasn't a fan. No, but just uh, the you know, this notion that a game could do things besides just have you run and jump and shoot and you know, like you're you're in a world and you're just exploring, you know, and it's slow and there's there's atmosphere and you're you're scared. You're actually scared. I couldn't believe that I was being like emotionally impacted by a game. And and like I think the other thing is that if I were any older the the hilarious voice acting would have gotten to me, but at that age, I was just so mesmerized oh, by right. the thought of it. Well, yeah, at that time, speech in games was still a novelty. Jill, you're here, too. Yes, you're here, too? It led to this weird dual identity or tri-identity Resident Evil may have at this ah. point, which is like... Patent dead. Like, it, it worked as, like, a, a genuinely scary game, like, there wasn't much like it, and certainly it popularized that genre and that approach to to games. Um, so it had that going for it. Like, people who are fans of, like, being scared and spooked and, like, playing with the lights off and playing with a friend and, like, figuring it out and skulking around in the shadows. Like, mm-hmm. there was that aspect. And then there was also this, like, cheesy B-movie horror thing because of this voice acting and the right. opening and the live-action <laughs> opening. And it gave it this, like, almost, like... Not ironic, but there was this, like, knowing love of, like, this is pretty corny, right? Mm. And it's great. It's super great that it's this corny. So it was doing two things. It was, like, genuinely kind of, like, good at setting a tone and atmosphere and being Mm -hmm. spooky and making you also worry about ammo and life and every every hit matters and every decision you make has a consequence. That's all great. But then also has this, like, even if someone doesn't play games at all, they could watch someone play it back then. Mm -hmm. Purely as entertainment, and be like, "Oh, this is so great! This is like a this is like a B slasher movie from the seventies or eighties yeah. that I would laugh at, but I'm still kind of interested in the aesthetics and the and the mood." Because um, like, I came into this actually launch week, Resident Evil, because uh, I was lucky enough to get a PlayStation on launch day of nine nice. nine nine ninety five huh. uh, by trading in all my Sega stuff, which 
Uh, it's a whole other story. Bummer. Uh, yeah, Genesis, Sega CD, and all my games, but I kept mm. all my receipts, and at the time, Babbage's didn't have a return policy, so I got all my money back. <laughs> and wow. then the next day, they had a return policy. So I think... <laughs> I You're think, responsible. For I think I might, I might actually be responsible for... Babbage's, Babbage's return re- setting an actual concrete return policy of wow. like, because I was just this weird kid who like I like having my receipts because I like dates, uh-huh. I like yeah. knowing when I got what. It's just cool to go back through receipts and be like, oh wow, here it says like I still have my Dreamcast receipt and my Marvel vs. Capcom and my Ocarina of Time receipt. It's just cool. Like yeah. this is the thing I got that day and here it is, right? Um, so things you can thank Brad for: Mega Man X Four, Mega Man X Five, yeah, yeah. Babbage's receipt, yeah. <laughs> Return Policy. Babbage is being absorbed by GameStop. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it so still impacts us daily. So that's how I got a PS One very early. Was like I paid zero dollars for it. I just I had over three hundred dollars worth of stuff. <laughs> so that's like suckers. And got, <laughs> I got all my stuff. So, but then by that time it was like March or April '96. So I was able to like I'd saved up some money. So I got this game because I'd read about it in magazines and like no one else really had it. Uh, like another friend of mine had a PlayStation, but I don't think he got it right away. And there was this party that we used to rent out this small building and just go hang out in it because mm. there's all kinds of space out where we mm. are. So, and you just go hang out. And we took TVs and we'd have like kind of the beginnings. If we had kept up with this, the beginnings of actual like LAN parties and stuff. But it never. It usually descended us into us breaking windows and lights <laughs> until we eventually got banned from the building. <laughs> um, what is this building? It's just like it's a just creepy... a community building that you could rent out, and like oh. for some reason they didn't ask questions when teenagers walked in ready to rent a building. Um, wow! And then we broke so much stuff over the course of like three <laughs> years that like I mean like huge hole in the wall, um, trying to act out like martial arts movie and <laughs> like trying to jump off the wall and both your feet go through the drywall. Wow. Um, and put a huge hole in it. And then, anyway. Um, These are adult situations, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Rated T um, for terrible kids. <laughs> um, but but I brought Resident Evil because we brought my PlayStation because I think we were playing something else and whatever. But I turned that on and, like, the whole room just became entranced. And it went from this, like, rowdy, like, we're kids. Everything's dumb but us. <laughs> and it turned into this, like, wow, what is this? And, like, go over here. Open that door. No, don't go. You already went in that one. And it turned into, like, what I think the stereotypical, like, best way to play Resident Evil. Mm-hmm. And that's how I played, like, a big chunk of it. And then after that, I, you know, with no strategy guide and no internet, it got very difficult. Yeah. Right. Uh, you but can save yourself into a hole. And I did. Games. I did. That so was, like... It was great. You know, that genre got done so... Because RE was such a runaway success, you know, it just got done again and again by everyone and everyone's mom. Overblood, it's a fantastic... Overblood's game. great. <laughs> Deep Fear is another great one. Oh, just look dude. up... Deep fear voice acting. Oh my goodness. Oh yeah. And then I mean, even our own Dino Crisis. Yeah. And, uh, and there, there was like Galarians. Remember Galarians about the psychic kid? Oh man, I saved myself into a hole in that one. But Sorry One had some of the like quintessential spoopy moments. It was, so, yeah. So. I mean, that's the thing is like you still even now, even knowing how hokey <coughs> a lot of the scenes are, like there's still something that works yeah. about Sorry One. There's moments where it all comes together and it it just clicks. Even even now, even the PS One one, even the PS One one, and Sorry Two even more so. Yep. They they improve the acting quite a bit in Sorry Two. So I think the, the the classic one is if we get to like scary moments proper is dogs crashing through the window. That's Yucks. kind of the that's kind of the go to. That's like, like 
one of the most famous horses. Yeah. And it's it's games. a it's a cheap jump scare. It is. But it also shows you it teaches you like oh, you might think you're safe right, cuz you thought, know the you know the area but yeah, you can like things can come from outside uh, yeah. the immediate field of view and like how do I know something's not going to come through the ceiling or the floor yeah. or bust down a door like you don't yeah. know it, it shatters your sense of like yep. It's a great safe. moment of yeah. big word subversion. Yeah, huh. <laughs> we can do a whole podcast about that. Speaking of subversion, mm-hmm. uh, the remake subverts mm. a lot of your expectations based on RE one. So, like when you get back to that same hallway, you're like, eh, "Yeah, the dogs are going to come out, right?" And then just a little bit of glass falls in the room because a dog <laughs> a dog tried to jump through, but they don't actually come in. Huh. So you're like, "Wait!" And so for a split second, you're like, "Well." <laughs> there's supposed to be dogs here. And now you're like, what? Uh, so there's something else coming? Or, yeah, and now yeah, you're, yeah. you're right back where you were. Like, yeah. well, damn it. <laughs> that's so, pretty awesome. So that's, and there's and the remake is good about all kinds of like, the more you know RE1, a lot of stuff is the same, but there's moments where you're like, ah, oh, you got me because you yeah. thought I already knew what was going on. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so I made a list of some of the best scary moments from Capcom's horror games, and uh, there are a lot. I could. I was surprised at how many I could just think of off the top of my head, including some that aren't really from horror games, just scary moments from normal games, which are often scarier because you're not expecting it. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, RE, first of all, has like, it's just full of like genre-defining classic moments. There's the dogs, uh, which was replicated almost identically in RE2 with the uh, arms busting through the window. Remember that? Mm. They, like, grab you. It's right. a little less threatening because they just grab you and then don't really do anything. <laughs> but uh, then there's the head turn. Who remembers that head turn? It was like... The, zo- the RE1 zombie? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a classic FMV, but... It's so <laughs> weird to think about it now, but, like, I remember, and again, maybe it was my age, but, like, I'd play PS1 games and not be able to discern between the game and FMV. It all just felt like one, like I, because I didn't know of the concept of FMV yet. It all just felt like the game was doing this, the game was doing that. Right. And Were you three years old? I was, tw- <laughs> well, I was 12. <laughs> uh, but you got to understand, I'd only played like Genesis games right. up until then. So it was just like, everything seemed unbelievable. Oh yeah, know? for sure. It was like, the fact that they're talking in the game, yeah. mind-blowing. Like, that much speech even though that live action opening was pretty hokey, like it was still, even though we'd lived through the Sega I CD mean, era, yeah. like well, it was still like many of it, us missed that. <laughs> it had a well, just the the stigma of FMV game from yeah. like Night Trap, Tomcat Alley, which is fine. Tomcat Alley is pretty cool if you like planes, but <laughs> think you know from Ground Zero Texas to Double Switch to all kinds of games. There was just and then the make a, make your own video stuff, all that Sega CD stuff. It it wore out that idea really quick. Yeah. Um, Except for Capcom's own Fox Hunt, what a what a treat! Oh man, which would come around way uh, later. But uh, look it up, guys. Yeah, but um, it's uh, yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. yeah, but I think it was a still lot a of people still missed. Yeah. Like for me, like coming straight from the Genesis to seeing this game out of the blue is just like, whoa, real actors in a video game. How did they get in there? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, so. From from my perspective here, uh, being living uh, in Brazil at that time, it was uh, I don't. I don't remember it actually ever being a thing, like the idea of the FMVs. Um, I mean, I can guess that it was probably because of like localization. What do you do? Do you add subtitles? You do voiceover right. and all that. But either way, you know, um, I think I think that pr- 
probably helped uh, Resident Evil catch on because if we didn't have this whole stigma around FMVs, then Resident Evil and games. games like it, like on a PS uh, PlayStation One, they they probably were the first ones to introduce that to uh, a wider audience. Yeah, you know, help them catch on even more, I guess. And they, you just know, just they, my guess. They used it quite <laughs> sparingly. Yeah, it's already. not like every. Sim- there's only really the opening and the <coughs> and the ending. Yeah, and then everything else is in-game models. Yeah, except yeah. For that zombie turn, which is like this other Oof. not. Not in game. Yeah, that's such yeah, it's such a like classy use of the FMV to really emphasize the moment. Yeah. You know. And then RE two just did away with the, the live action altogether and you have some like at the time those were state of the art cutscenes. Yeah. That intro, it's still I still like that intro. It's great. I love <laughs> I love why'd he bite me? <laughs> <laughs> the guy's got like his arm practically bitten off and he's just Well he, back to work. He wants some rationale for this. <laughs> he's like fine too. And then off he goes with his yeah. uh, big rig. Got to make this delivery. Yeah. This, uh, <laughs> this truck of Twinkies isn't going to deliver itself. <laughs> like the fact that he still just thinks this, that guy's a maniac. Yeah. Why I think there's more wrong with him. <laughs> like, <I don't> <laughs> it, no, it's great. Like that's what it, even that has a little bit of hokiness to it. Yeah. Where it's like, it's a little silly, and there's but you can also take it straight up seriously. Yeah. So it, it's always walk the line. Whether you'll meet tons of fans who are like. Oh, I love it. It's so cheesy and good, and like it. Yeah, it's, it's a great it's game like, to play. Period. But it has this cheese factor. I think that's something that people really love about the whole like spooky thing about the Halloween season is they like it to be, you know, it uh, genuinely scary, but also really fun. Yeah, you know, yeah. and it yeah. takes a, a very particular balance to nail both of those. Well, because if if you're serious all the time, scary all the time, there's mm-hmm. no. There's no release. There's yeah. like you're constantly stressed, and then it's just yeah. Where's the satisfaction? <laughs> <laughs> Which is why Overblood is so good. Yeah. Um, my favorite moment. This is my favorite scary moment. I think in all of video gaming, is uh, in RE2. You're you're uh, wandering around that police station for like ever, and like you're stuck in this place forever. Mm-hmm. That you meet this guy early on. He's like a surviving officer, but he's clearly like a death's door. He's like covered in blood and, like, lying on the floor. Oh, man. Who... Who are you? Oh, you must be the new guy. Leon. Sorry, but it looks like your party has been canceled. And, uh, and then, like, hours later, you come back and you find him and you're like checking on him, right? But instead of like speaking to you like he had, like the game is set up every time you run into him, he just stands to his feet. And then there's like this close-up shot of him, and he like turns into a zombie before your eyes. Like the last right. humanity leaves his face. He goes pale, and it's like this pretty subtle graphical effect. The most disturbing moment in games for me. Yeah, because now this guy is... And then he tries to eat you. And then, yeah, now you've, you've experienced the actual, like, you know, oh, zombies are scary because they used to be people. And it's like, okay, well, sort of. But then this let you actually experience the feeling of a character that has now become a zombie. Yeah. And now there's actually this extra layer of tragedy. Totally. Not, not yeah, just like, oh, like, this guy Yeah, it's just horrifying on a, a emotional level. Yep. And that's something that those other games did so well is they really they really made you feel this despair like that like the save music 
Oh yeah, it's great. Mm. It's so sad, man. Like the safe the save rooms are supposed to be a relief and they are in a sense, but they also it's like the only chance you get to actually sit and think about the horror of what you've been experiencing. No. All all the RE games their save musics are like probably my favorite parts of the whole game is I'm mean, a big game music fan in general, mm-hmm. but those the save rooms are brilliant in their there's a, a, a morose Mm-hmm. Uh, macabre mm-hmm. and mm, other words with M mortician Mor- yeah, that's the mortifying word. mortifying embalming effect yeah <laughs> but then also <laughs> like they all have this like melody that you can follow and hum so it's like it's really good Like I'm there, <laughs> but my my favorite one from RE2, just off the top of my head, because I it's been a while since I I think two years ago when I played it last. But uh, you have it on your list, but the liquor window, liquor you, window, you're just like walking, and then the camera shifts like it always does, and then there's a window, and you walk by, and you're kind of like, yeah, it's, it's a big window, and you might even be thinking, well, I think it, I don't know, the way it does it is you're not really thinking about it, and you just see this thing kind of scurry past. I love how yeah, and they don't call attention to it, yeah. no one acknowledges it. You're not even sure if Leon or Claire saw it. Right. You know? Yeah. It, but it, it's just yeah. scurries past. I thought that was such a classy... It's, it's like the opposite of a jump scare. Yeah, it's... it's. Oh, it's, is it one of those moments where if it was a movie, you'd be saying, Turn around! Turn around! <laughs> sort of. Except, like, it doesn't it's, It doesn't linger there, and, like, it's not, like, it's, sneaking up. It's just, like... It just scurries past the window. Oh. Yeah. So even as a player, if you, like, blinked or, like, were looking yeah. away for a second, you would have missed it. But, like... Huh. The point is, like, you think as this outside observer, it's a very meta thing because they're not. It's it's there for you, the player. It's not yeah. there for Leon, right, right. player to see. It's like, well, and then you go into the next hallway and you hear, you just hear the sound and you don't know what it is. It's just like this. Yeah. And then you you know you walk a few screens in and you see that it's like this dripping blood and you're like, okay, well, I definitely just saw something then, and and then initiates. The next FMV, which is your first encounter with the liquor, and it, it, 1998. This is maybe the most terrifying thing that's happened to you in a game. <laughs> right. Face and to face a, with this. Yeah, it's a really cool enemy design, and it's like it's not like the hunter where they took a long time for them to show up. But like you're still pretty early in the game. Yeah, it's like and this thing shows up, and you're like, Whoa, yeah, I don't know, I don't, I don't know that I'm equipped to fight this thing. Exactly. And you might even die. And like I think was it RE2 or did the first game have this? The the unique death. Animation. A hunter could take your head off. I could. Okay, yeah, but uh, they definitely. I know the liquor had some horrifying ones. Then it turns out they were zombified tree frogs. (laughs) Not so much zombified, but uh, very sick. (laughs) (laughs) He's very sick. You can't have a podcast about scary moments and not talk about the nemesis. Stars. Right. Of RE3, although they introduced that basic concept in uh, RE2 with Mr. X. Mm Who I think is awesome. Senior just like, just like this, he's <laughs> <laughs> just like airdrops into the police yeah. station to make your life hell. Yep. And it's that you know I think they they were just trying to 
emulate that, you know, like the slasher movies where you have one seemingly unstoppable, yeah. immortal thing that is just silent and just walks at you and is... Got a really nice coat on. He's a great coat. And you never know where he's going to come from. Like, again, it's it's like uh, the, the dog thing all over again. He'll break through walls. He'll... Uh, jump at you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the nemesis, they, they upped the ante again by making it so he could actually follow you through doors, which was like uh, this thing people had come to rely on as, uh, you know, like gaming the system. And they also have uh, nemesis uh, get points early on for killing one of the prime, you know, previous characters from the game, like killing them right away. That's like, right. And uh, shooting a tentacle through his head. Yeah, but it's like, oh my God, he's you know this is a named character from RE One. Like, oh no, who is it? Can we say or is it spoil- <laughs> spoilers? Spoilers. <laughs> uh, I'll let you guys look it up. Okay, and spoilers. <laughs> it's a it's a name from a popular YouTube ad that we heard over and over again. Uh oh, Liz. It's got to be Liz. It's not Liz. <laughs> it's the other. It's the Meet other Brad. Guy. Yeah. <laughs> Meet Brad. Liz. <laughs> Man. And spoilers. Does that even like resonate with anyone? Like it just that was like a, like a couple years ago now. Huh? It was, but like surely everyone was using YouTube, so everyone had to sit through that. Meet Brad, Liz. Yeah. <laughs> it's like date. Was it a dating site? Yeah, it was. It was yeah. It was okay. Like, yeah. Six foot handsome. Oh my gosh, Man. that's right. <laughs> just bringing it back. Like anything I watched for a six months. Meet Brad. There was Liz. a follow up. There but was, did they get together? Only... Or what was the deal? They they she went on a it. date and like but that's the thing though that follow up ad only showed up once in my feed uh, ever. I, I never even saw ever. it yeah yeah ever. that's the thing right huh maybe if, they got all they needed after that I guess so that's how ads work right Liz you stop when you've <laughs> <laughs> it's just such a it, it's borderline oh <coughs> god I'm choking on my own rage <laughs> <coughs> it's, it's truly a horror moment in gaming it's industry. basically Alf. Liz! (laughs) 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 He was very elf. Alright, so... Uh, What else is scary? Yes. (laughs) Scarier than this. So the next thing on your list, this is something I I like your explanation for this, because no one else would go here. Yeah, you know, all the guff I hear people... Tossing our way about RE5 not being scary, just being a straight up action game. There's like there's imagery in that game that is like definitely horror. Like how could the, how could you not think of this as horror? And maybe it's not scary to you, but like that's such a subjective thing. One of the scariest images in games for me is the the real ass looking dogs yeah. in RE5. There's just some they're like so like the graphics are so good in that game and yeah. they look so realistic, but just slightly off like maybe maybe uh like it only affects people who know dogs but like you're looking at these things and they're just like a little too big and like they just look like a little too, there's like this quietness about them and then you know and then they blow up and turn into like these you know dog monsters Cthulhu dog like whatever that that's <laughs> not scary to me it but scary is when they're still in just regular right. dog it, form. I mean it's like the thing style yes. where you're like there's a promise of once you actually see the crazy thing it turns into... And it's just it's a video game. game. Now, it's, now it's just like a monster, a creepy-looking monster, but it's now it's now a target or it's now yeah. a thing. Yeah, it's yeah. not an unknown anymore. But, but before that... But before that, when you're like, 
this dog that looks like it's kind of barely held together, yeah, like he's yeah. oozing and like he's got like cracks and crevices, as if like but he's not there's so something. yeah. But it's it's, like, it's not it's not so far. Like the just, dogs in the, the earlier games are like very clear. Yeah, They're like yeah, yeah. skinless Dobermans, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like all right, I know this is a threat. These dogs are like the. It's kind of like the is Uncanny it Valley. Yeah, it is very that. They look sickly and dangerous, but like it's not until their head splits open sideways yeah. that you're like, oh, here we go. And yeah. to an extent, some of the human characters have that same thing going on in, in 4 and 5. Uh, but it's not the dogs in particular. Mm. Uh, Revelations brought it back. They brought back the horror in a big way. You had some very unique and powerful scares in that game. I don't know how much we want to spoil... Yeah, if, if Revs won, if, you, if you've somehow skipped it on 3DS or the subsequent console release, you can skip ahead a couple minutes. But, I mean, the two that we'll mention are kind of the two that kind of bubble to the surface. Yeah. And for good reason. Um, I feel like, yeah, the, the latter of the two I have here has yeah. already been spoiled thoroughly online. Yeah, <laughs> by our own trailers. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, th- there's the whole captain who's banging... And you God, hear the door banging. I played that again on the flight to New York. It's just like, and yeah, he's he's yelling for help on this on the ship, and you just see him. Mayday! Mayday! This is the Queen Zenobia. And it's it's a great moment because you're you're kind of still fighting through a lot of the ooze and getting yeah. getting back there, and then when you get there, this thing with a buzzsaw for an arm flies at you. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it does still have this sort of, like, uh, fun hokiness to it, you know, yeah. where it's like, first of all, he's looping these same words right, over and over yeah. again for, like, a really long time. And second, well, like, the takeoff for me, it's so know. in your face about, like, you know this is going to be bad, but you still have to open this door. You have to do it. Yeah, and seeing, yeah, and it won't trigger till you get right up next to it, and, like, the lock is banging on it. And it's a good moment. Uh, the one I like more, though, is is Rachel, who we met through the trailers for the game. But she's killed horribly <laughs> really early. Mm-hmm. Basically, that's, like, it before you even see her, yeah. she's, like, in the act of being killed. And then you, yeah. she comes into frame and is killed. Yeah, and then, <laughs> and then even seeing her, the, the scene where she's killed is a pretty effective scene. Because it's at the end of a hallway, there's a window... And you can kind of only barely see what's happening, and you're like, oh, God, someone's getting killed in there. <laughs> and then you get in there, and you're like, oh, okay, so this happened. But then later you see the body's gone, and then you hear this whispering. I don't know. The, it, it really the scare was the first time you hear her kind of whisper. After that, she starts stalking you for a little. It's like yeah. a little mini nemesis thing where room to room she'll come out, be in your face, and you got to shoot her till she leaves. It's, and then that kind of lasts till the end of that segment. But that first time she kind of whispers and giggles, you're like, "What?" Yeah. Well, you know, it's also like the the enemies in in the Resident Evil series up to that point had not typically been. Uh, I mean, I guess in 4 and 5, they had enemies that seemed, like, still semi-aware, you know? Like, they yeah. could still they, they were still capable of speech. But there's, like, this sort of weird, like, glee in an Evil Dead-type way oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. to Rachel, where she's, like, laughing and giggling. But then, like, there's, like... Correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like there's, like, still real Rachel, like, struggling to break free. Like, you occasionally yeah, hear her, like... Yeah, she yells, like, it hurts! Yeah, right? <laughs> Yeah. 
But then, then you read her note. It's in a very itchy, tasty kind of way. <laughs> you read her note before where she's, like, talking about how, like, oh, my arm just broke in half, and now there's two arms there. Oh, yeah. And my hair's falling out. And yeah. I'm still writing notes, though. I'm still writing this note. I'm going to leave it right here. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a great <coughs> it's a great moment. I forgot about itchy, tasty. That's, like, one of the other best moments yeah. ever where the monster busts out of the closet. Yeah. What was he doing in there? Like, even if I'm a zombie, what am I? He's he he learned looking for slacks, I guess. <laughs> there is one thing in six that I've talked about, maybe on our original run of the show, because that was when our six came out around that time. But those weird ass monsters <laughs> that like you blow in half and then they keep coming back. Oh I, yeah. I forget their actual name because all the names are like all consonants. They're all <laughs> there was all like Serbian, right? Yeah. So. Uh, I don't remember what it was called, but it was it was a very interesting kind of, again this thing alienish mm-hmm. weird monster. Uh, but that f- there's a part in the Leon campaign where one of them ambushes you, and if you fail the QTE, which I did because much like the first time you kind of see the rock in uh, RE4, and you're like, what what sprints, huh? And <laughs> then you get crushed. Uh. This one in RE6, I was just like, wait, what? I thought I was just walking into a room and a cutscene was going to start. And it grabs you, and I failed the cuts, the QTE. <laughs> and then, like, this thing just, like, walks you into a meat oh grinder. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you then you, about oh. that a lot. you go head over heels upside down into the, and it And it holds you while you both go in this thing together. <laughs> and it's just the idea that something has, like, no sense of self or, or self-preservation yeah. or our identity. It's just, like... This thing that senses other things around it, and uh, I gotta kill it. Like, (laughs) just I don't know. It caught me off guard. And even though the enemy itself is kind of spooky and creepy, it's not like a scary enemy per se. It it is like an unsettling visual. Mm -hmm. But that thing, when it first like, it was just I don't know. It grossed me out. Like, and it's not like blood is shooting out in a geyser out of this meat grinder. It's just like the idea that this thing would rush you. And be like, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> just fall right in with you. And it goes in with you. It, if yeah. it had pushed you in, and Leon just goes in, it's like, ah, God, where's where's my last checkpoint? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But in this case, it was just like, oh God, <laughs> like now there's just this slurry <laughs> of both of us <laughs> <laughs> underneath, one. and like, oh God, this is so gross. So yeah, that's my yeah, six. Six has some moments. Ugh. Okay. Then and the, the invisible snake was cool. Yeah. Oh, the snake was cool. I like the shark. Buying a command. Yeah, I thought of some examples that were like, and I'm I'm being kind of tongue in cheek, but kind of genuine here. Like the the Bionic Commando and like NES games in general. Like if you got to the final boss, that was always a scary experience because a little bit, yeah. Really seeing anything unique that isn't just like a copied tile or copied sprite, yeah. like you know it's important, you know. Mm-hmm. And in NES games, that usually meant it was also extremely deadly. Yeah. And and Bionic Commando, this may have been lost on a lot of kids because it was renamed Bionic Commando and, like, reskinned and stuff in the West. But when you get to the end of the game and they resurrect Hitler, <laughs> I don't know if I can say that on record, but that is the name of the game in Japan. It is Top Secret Hitler's Resurrection. <laughs> and that was not lost on a little Jewish kid. <laughs> oh. But it's also just an eerie scene, you know. It's like this, you know, dark test tube and like 
he actually went he's res as he's resurrected he like kills the guy that had been the enemy up until that point spoilers oh, wow. and then he like walks toward you slowly and he's like you will learn the horror of the albatross and you're like i, I was a little kid i didn't know what an albatross was i just knew that hitler was going to show me horror <laughs> just like mom <laughs> promised <laughs> and <laughs> uh and then his head blows up and all is well but uh it was a powerful scene maybe you had to be there Guys. I was there. Oh yeah, but didn't scare you. It was like because we never got to the ends of games on the NES back then. They were always so hard. No, I remember. Uh, it's not C Capcom, but Castlevania Two when you finally resurrect Dracula because you went to get all of his different parts. Oh yeah. And finally getting the end Dude. of Castlevania Two alone was quite a feat back then. Um, and then summoning him, it was just a very imposing sprite. Spr yeah, right. And he doesn't really do anything. Yeah, right? it's, it's a really easy there, fight. But it's but terrifying it looking. Yeah, it's, yeah, just, like it's just this. He's like a little. Like, uh, say cicada. Uh, a cocoon. <laughs> he looks like a cocoon, right? No, like he looks like a giant casket with a head, practically. That's right. Um, but yeah, it's just a creepy, creepy moment. And I was, and I got to him during a big storm and the power went out. And so I Ooh. got to Dracula and the power went out. And I was just like, it's so funny to think. Legit that, like, scared of like, Castle wait, is Dracula games. real? Like, did he, yeah. <laughs> did he shut the TV down? <laughs> like, NES games did used to scare kids, you know? They, j they did have this. Ability to really excite the imagination. Time. Yeah. Uh, Dragon's Dog with Dark Arisen. <laughs> All right. Uh, the Dark Arisen, like the extra content, added a crapload of scary imagery. But the the one that takes the cake is definitely Death itself, which appears seemingly at random. I think it may be scripted, but uh, he appears seemingly at random. Right, your first trip through it would be kind of like, and and he's just unstoppable. Yeah, like he's a, he's got like basically two moves: he kill a one hit kill slash and a thing that puts you to sleep, making it really easy to slash you. <laughs> and when he kill, and this is like one of those things where the the gameplay system, uh, like really works to manipulate your emotions because uh, he's the only enemy in the game that does this. But when he gets your pawns with his sickle, yeah. you can't revive him. You can always revive your pawns when they when they're downed by an enemy. These ones or this enemy alone when he when he takes all their life away, they the only way to get them back is to go to a riftstone. There's never one around. Right. <laughs> as yeah, as you've been watching uh, since week to Friday, so you yes. can attest to and like need for more you, you do get to a point where you can't take them on. I'm still not there and I'm like I don't know what level I am, like eighty five or something. Uh, terrifying. And the other thing, though, is that he's he's got his own s terrifying music, which I'll probably put into this podcast. And uh, there's like this thing. This happens with a few types of enemies in Bitter Black Isle. There's they call them the necrophagous enemies. Which is like sometimes you'll 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 kill what seems like the big monster, and then the corpse of the big monster will attract other monsters that appear without warning. And this is at random. It's like a dice roll. Huh. Uh, and it'll it, like the screen like goes gray and everything slows down for a second. You hear this terrifying, just like like the, the current affair sound. Oh yes, love that. Uh, and then terrifying enemy appears to put an end to you. I can't believe current affair last like really made an impression. Yeah, that sound effect. Yeah, that sound effect. Great. Sound but effect. it's like it was a stock sound effect in a Packard Bell. Really? Yeah. I need to find that. <laughs> uh, we use it all the time on an old podcast. It was the correction noise when you've been, <laughs> when you've been corrected. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> it's good to have. 
We need yeah. a soundboard, huh? <laughs> so Yuri, you don't play a lot of horror things. You seem to be... You seem well, to yeah, be get ready for uh, top three Capcom scary moments, wuss edition. Mm. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's my turn. Well, actually, so uh, just today we were talking about it. I know it's not on the list, but exactly... Uh, well, not necessarily exactly, but very similar to the Dark Arisen example we just gave. Uh, we're talking about God Hand. Oh, How man. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to think yeah. of what could be scary. <laughs> no, no, no. It's not, it's not that it is scary. It's not an inherently scary game like throughout. But mm -hmm. there's first moment, first time you see this, you go into that room and you kill that guy. And it's just a regular dude. And he drops dead. And then, <laughs> boom, music changes. Like the demon comes out of him. Oh like yeah, that that was that is like scary. one of those things where just the the sheer challenge of the game actually does yeah. kind of put you in a similar state of of terror. Right, but I mean, uh, you know, the screen just kind of like goes a little uh, faded out. The, the yeah. colors fade out a little bit. Music changes. The uh, this enemy is it is almost ten times like harder than the precursor of the necrophagus system. Yeah. So, uh, so I thought that was worth mentioning. Just yeah, that's a good point. So similar. They also kind of look like those uh, the regenerators from uh, RE4, uh, the spiky things. Yeah, there's regenerators, and then there's the spiky ones uh, that have the parasites on them that you have to shoot with a scope right. uh, before they, they actually They look out. like that, except yeah. they don't have parasites. Yeah. Those things are great. Like RE4, uh, obviously Dr. Salvador with the chainsaw. It's oh the first yeah. time you – I mean, that's one of the biggest moments of – you know, I wouldn't just say Resident Evil. I would just say experiences in video games. Yeah. I would say that Being first time you do the RE4 village encounter, it was really cool then. It is really cool now. And the first time your head gets popped off, <laughs> you're just like, what? Like, <laughs> the idea... Because one-hit kills by from bosses are pretty irritating, especially when you don't know what you're supposed to be doing. You're just like, what? Especially in an area where the only way to get through it is to wait it out. <laughs> right, but there was just this feeling of like, you at least knew, okay, I can climb ladders, I can kick open doors, I can barricade myself in, and there's still hits he'll do that won't kill you in one hit. So you know there is something that happened that was either I was weak or he, I was too close. You j all you know is, like, don't get close to me. And <laughs> that meant you kept running, and then eventually the bell would go off and then they would <laughs> all leave and, and whatever. Um but yeah, it was, I don't know. That 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 was great. But then also the regenerators, and I I think they're Iron Maidens, or is that the? I think that's what they were. Mm. Uh, but yeah, these creepy shambling, like they're they're not even hissing. They're like wheezing, <laughs> uh, like wheezing at you, and kind of this weird cackle. You know the Goombas in the Mario Brothers movie? Mm -hmm. <laughs> their their head. God, imagine like that, but like with. Like not beady eyes, and like their whole body is like that, not huge, and wrapped in like a, an entire fabric. Right, so I like what I see. Yeah, <laughs> like because in the movie, that Mario movie, <laughs> they're like tiny heads on these gigantic bodies. Yeah, and imagine that head always reminds me of the regenerators, <laughs> or rather, the regenerator <laughs> reminded me of the Goombas. But in that game, they're really creepy, and then when you find the ones that like do that extra, like their arms stretch out, pull you in, oh, yeah. and then spike themselves, and then kill you doing that. It's like, God. <laughs> like that's, that's another great creepy enemy. After you feel like you've gotten used to everything the game can throw at you, because you're like, yeah, 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 there's guys that do this, there's guys that do that, there's, there's a chance, uh, I, got <laughs> it, I got it, I got it, and then that thing shows up, and you're like, oh my God. Um, those are great. Yeah. Those are great moments. 
The, uh, you had a Monster Hunter moment, and I think there's actually a lot of moments you could pull from this game that qualify. You know, it's not horror. Never horror, but even though they use the word monster. But <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, uh, you know, because the game, is, like, everything is so threatening in the game, it, it does terrorize the player at times. Yeah, I in a way. I mean, to me, it was... Uh, it was about defying the expectations in terms of gameplay that, that triggered that, you know, it's, it's not scary. It's a similar emotional uh, experience, you know, when they say you're supposed to be doing this one thing and then there's that, that curveball, um, something else happens that you weren't expecting. And I think uh, the, the examples that I had in mind here, uh, and it, it's the sort of thing that sort of only works once on a given player, uh, but say... Uh, the first time that a the main monster for that game uh, appears, it's not in a quest to kill that monster. You mm -hmm. know, so if you go on the quest to kill the young cuckoo, it's gonna say kill the young cuckoo. Yeah. There's gonna be a cutscene. You see the young cuckoo, and then you kill the young cuckoo, right? But then later on, there's like they they do this with the Rathalos, Tigrex, the Lycaecrus, and and the yeah. I think uh, almost all the monsters got their uh, you know. The, if they were the flagship of the, that title, they got this this uh, similar treatment. Is that you know they say go on this quest and bring back yeah something very five, mundane yeah right? bring back some bloodstone oh that's easy yeah enough. bring back uh, and I think the one with the Tigrex is like bring back six uh, popo tongues <laughs> and then like you go in the first area there's two popos and then at most you know you can only carve two per monster yeah. so. You need to move on to the next area to get the remaining two. <laughs> when you get there, you're not expecting this, but the Tigrex just like comes in and uh -huh. like kills one of them, and then turns around and looks at you. Like that was scary, and in in, <laughs> in a in a weird way, that moment got you got your attention in, in a big way, just because you're not expecting it. You're not prepared. You have a, a bone sword, right? And like you just have like leather armor. You didn't you're come equipped totally to fight a monster. Yeah, yeah. You just I, I, yeah. I can I can collect this, these items with my eyes closed, and right. then this just opens them right up for you. I think the laggy one is particularly effective, just because being in this giant abyss, you know. Oh yeah, you're underwater. The controls so. like you may not be used to the controls yet. Yeah. And it's got these glowing eyes. Yeah. Ugh. And then like he just breaks the rocks in front of him, and it, it's it's great. And I mean, even so. like the first time you see the Devil Joe wander in, and his music right. starts. Yeah, he's got his own music. Yeah. So those two kind of moments, uh, I think they only work once per player. Sure. So it worked for me back in a PS2 game, and it doesn't really work again. But yeah. now that you guys played, uh, I think Brett started with three ultimate. If uh, if you go back to Freedom Unite, the right. T-Rex scene is not going to work. Right. Well, because well. they're yeah. kind of, I think they're kind of playing to the fact that you don't really know how to play that well yet. You know? Yeah. You're yeah. not supposed to be ready to fight that thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean. You have to be ready to survive it, I guess, because isn't it like you the first time you always just drive it back? Mm. At least it was with the laggy. Uh, no, actually, so so that's that's the the one you're thinking is the second uh, encounter with the laggy. Oh. But the first time you just have no chance. Oh, you, okay. So you, you just don't stand off. a chance. You have to run away. <laughs> the only possible way that you could do this is, you know, if you've been playing online only, uh, or you know, just multiplayer with your friends, and then you craft enough equipment that by the time you get to you know your two star village quest you can completely destroy it but then that's that's not that's not fair it's not part of the story <laughs> very well <laughs>
Well, I think that's basically all I, okay. I had queued up. Other games we did include Clock Tower 3 and uh, Haunting Ground, which I've been playing through lately. We'll be doing those on Throwback Thursday, I think, although that will have already happened. So watch the archive. <laughs> Look forward to having seen it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, real quick, we have just one digital deal to go through this week. So boop. Uh, there's a sale of the dead going on right now on PSN, and it's actually going to be a two-week sale. Right now we have Darkstalker's Resurrection, which features some undead creatures. Uh, that's 65% off, so you can pick it up for 5 bucks plus 25 cents. And that's all we got. It's a great deal. It is. That's why it's in the digital deal section. Play it online with your friends or... It well also, uh, it already passed, but uh, it is worth mentioning again. I did tweet it out on the Resident Evil Twitter. Um, and I think on the Capcom Unity Twitter, uh, Resident Evil Three was a dollar fifty over the weekend. Mm. So wow. it's just a you know pay attention to uh, them flash deals on Sony. Or a lot of flash deals. Uh, they've been doing them a lot lately. So uh, I did get the message out because a buck fifty for RE Three is like it's rude of you not to buy it. At this point. <laughs> it really Frankly, is. it's just like that's that's not on me. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, real quick, we'll do the community question. So last week we asked you where you thought Monster Hunter would be in another 10 years. We heard from some of our regulars. Red Stash, back again, says uh, there might be some kind of monster domestication system or mounted combat where you fight monsters on monsters mm. all within an open world. Mm. Kind of mm. like the idea. I've always wanted to have like some kind of thing. Where, like, you know how they have the arena? Yeah, like yeah. The first time I heard about the arena, I thought it was where you like pit monsters against each other. I thought that would be such a fun mini game. Wasn't that in Dose or something? Similar, yeah. I mean, you you raised you sort of raised your monster and you get to feed him right before the quest, and somebody else would do that. But then you're supposed to kill the other person's monster and they're supposed to kill yours. Uh, hmm. that's so that's still pretty interesting. It was uh, yeah, it was interesting. But uh, yeah, it's only in the Japanese release. Right. Uh, monster Hunter Dose. Dose. That's uh, Japanese two. for two. That's not Japanese for two. <laughs> <laughs> why is it out in Japan, Jerry? I think that actually <laughs> is Japanese slang for, like, a knife. Really? But don't quote me on that. Uh, Shoshima also says, I says, I actually see it a lot like the trailers have already shown. I remember a trailer dating back to Freedom Unites and Fact Check here, Yuri. Yeah. Where Good. the Blangonga, or Blangaga, as Blangonga. it's <laughs> uh, actually caught the hunter's greatsword. Caught the hunter's greatsword. Oh, uh, that that was actually the opening sequence for Monster Hunter Dose. Uh, oh, as well. Uh, it was it was a great scene where uh, the Blungongo would just you know storm from under the this you know snow covered area and uh, would be attacking the hunters. And one of the things was that the uh, the the guy with the great sword would attack it, but then it would just reach with his huge, you know, muscly arm and grab the great sword, mm. sort of in a blocking position. But uh, but it did not block the guy with the hammer coming in from the other side, ah. straight to the rib cage. That was quite impactful. <laughs> so that sort of very like realistic reaction. Is that very yeah, contextual. yeah. That says better yet, when watching the trailer for Four U, where the hunters spent the night getting all the supplies and traps set for the hunts, the next morning. Uh, with every new expansion, I see the Monster Hunter series getting more realistic, aside from the fact that you're carrying giant swords and slaying dragons <laughs> <laughs> and open world-like. Uh, yeah, I guess he's talking about like little things they can do to put you even deeper into the shoes of this hunter yeah. role, you know? Uh, that'd be cool. I mean, do you feel like they've already kind of done that over the years? 
I feel like they do. Uh, certain things, yeah. Um, I don't. I don't know how exactly how I feel. But I mean, again, personal preference about mm-hmm. spending the night, you know, <laughs> at the base camp, bringing your barrel bombs one by one, and making sure all your items are there. I think, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of that you already do through menus in, well, in the village. Keep in mind that a huge chunk of the audience for this game is people that play it like on trains and like in between. Yeah, and yeah. Stuff. So you want to be able to get in right away you know but uh things like the action uh different types of action they the hunter does to the monster and the monster does to the hunter i think those have been improved a great deal you know when monster and a try introduced the idea that the monsters can pin you down oh yeah like that was that was a really big deal you know yeah. like that was the and first time that happened to me it was really scary having to eat to regain their stamina yeah, monsters now have stamina and all that, but I, so I think so. Every yeah. show turns into Monster Hunter. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, of course. So uh, stay tuned <laughs> next week for our Monster <laughs> Hunter episode. <laughs> or to <laughs> or yeah, catch last week's episode. <laughs> the the actual one. This is actually a bi-weekly show, so we will not have something next week, and we did not have something last week. We're canceling next show week. Show over. So. Yes. There will be no next week. We do have a community question for you guys, though. We want to know what are your favorite scary moments in Capcom games or other games. Let us know in the discussion thread or in the podcast post comments section. Uh, and that'll do for Boom. this week. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for joining. And farewell. Yes. Bye. I got a shotgun. Chris Redfield. Barry Burton Rebecca Chambers Albert Wesker Biohazard